When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It's the Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. My next guest tonight is an actress who just received an Oscar nomination for her leading role in Killers of the Flower Moon. Please welcome to the late show, Lily Gladstone. Please, please, thank you very much. I think I think you might be the first guest to ever come on with their own train. That's really nice. I have a nice. Valentine. I have a oh, Valentine. Oh, a Valentine. Thank you. Can I, should I open it? Sure. Should I open it now? Yeah. This is lovely. I matched my, I matched myself to the card. I've got a long tail. Oh, very nice. Don't, <laughs> it says, be mine. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> Evie, you needn't watch this part. <laughs> Someone less intense than thank you for hosting me. This is so lovely. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Happy on. Valentine's Day to you. Um, <laughs> and congratulations on your Oscar nomination. Thank what you. an extraordinary. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an amazing film. Scorsese keeps finding new vocabulary to tell stories. Ten nominations for this film. Best uh, actress for you. Um, first Native American woman to be nominated for an Oscar <laughs> in a lead role. <laughs> what was that? First of all, how did you find out about the nomination? What, do you get a call in the morning, like the Nobel Prize? How did you, where were I you? I mean, we, we learn like everybody else does by watching. So I was in Osage County on the Osage Reservation and FaceTiming with my parents. So I wanted to kind of, if it were to go the way that it did, have a, have a foot in both worlds, I guess. So I was on FaceTime with my mom and dad, and it was funny. My mom, you know, very naturally did the mom thing and had the camera up to the TV so I could see what they were seeing. But <laughs> couldn't really see, just, you know, like little, like, white lines of light with no definition. I'm like, Mom, I can't, I can't tell what's going on. I want to see you and Dad. So she held the phone out, kind of like, okay, and made sure we're, they were both in there. So she was holding the phone up when the, when the announcement came in, and I couldn't hear it, but I could tell by their reactions that... That you read the it in their face. Yep, absolutely. That's extraordinary. Exactly how I wanted it. Now, uh, you could have read it someplace else because your high school yearbook <laughs> in 2004, um, this is, photo has gone viral. Uh, they called it 20 years ago, 
most likely to win an Oscar? <laughs> so are they, did they, are they, is everyone aware that they called it 20 years ago? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's our 20-year reunion, so the 20-year reunion's kind of uh, building around a watch party for the Oscars, it seems, <laughs> which is really sweet. The initial plan was to have it in our old high school theater, um, but kind of reached capacity, didn't, weren't, weren't really enough <laughs> seats in our old theater. But so. you're not going to be able to go to your 20th reunion now, because you're going to be at the Oscars. Yeah, I'll wave to everybody from stage, I guess. That's nice. <laughs> You've been to a lot of award shows over the last few months. Mm -hmm. there, I, I imagine some of that is sort of surreal. I mean, you've been a working actress for many years now, mm -hmm. but this is such a, such a, a lauded performance, and you're going to all these ceremonies. What's the most surreal moment that you've had? Um... Honestly, for National Board of Review, because Patty Smith was so moved by the film that she uh, she wanted to introduce me and my award. So everybody wow. has somebody of note prepare beautiful awards for them beforehand before we accept our award. And when I sat down at the table, I was you know I was visiting with Patty, getting um, just you know really choked up talking to her. She was sitting next to Ethan Hawke, who directed me in a play for the new group years ago, play reading. So it was odd that Ethan Hawke was like my familiar at that table. It's like, oh hey buddy, <laughs> um, and then just you know talking to Patty and Ethan, and then settled in and turned around. I was like, oh my god, there's Daniel Day Lewis <laughs> who's sitting next to, wow. who was giving Marty his award naturally. Oh, that's nice. So yeah, was the... he in character? Because he's always in character. <laughs> he... Was it Lincoln or somebody? <laughs> I would freak um, out if I saw Daniel you know, Day-Lewis, too. I, every time I, I see him, I kind of... I mean, this is the first time I've seen him in person, but he's he's so immersive. So you think you're going to get Bill the Butcher, but you're getting this... Just the kindest, sweetest, like, most engaged person. He'd watched my other film, The Unknown Country, which blew my mind, and he loved it. Um, he talked about his friendship with Russell Means and Denny Banks when they made Last of the Mohicans, who were just, you know, cornerstones of the American Indian movement and actors. And... Um, yeah, and then we spent the rest of the night trying to track down a shot of tequila that never came. <laughs> when we had uh, Martin Scorsese on, he was saying that originally um, the script was structured completely differently, much more like the book is. And the story of, um, of Molly and Ernest uh, was not at, the, not at the heart of it. And in fact, there were only three scenes... Is that true? There are only three scenes that Molly was in originally? You know, I learned that when we were doing the Q&A, as Marty mm. said, that it was one of three for Ernest and Molly. And I'd had that... I'd had a little bit of a clue that maybe that was the case. My first audition was on a previous version of the script back in 2019. And it was three pages. Molly had these long expositional monologues. And you've seen the film. You can't imagine Molly being like a monologuer. Um... And, you know, you, you hear about all of her sisters in one breath. You get a, you know, sense of she's maybe suspicious of Ernest, but then he charms her back into, you know, turning the other cheek to whatever. You learn a little bit about some more. It's like, it was a lot in three pages. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, turns out it was one of three, three developed scenes with those characters in it. Well, it's Valentine's Day, so let's talk about the love story of Molly and Ernest Burkhardt because yeah. it's an unusual love story but they do appear, for all the betrayal and how dark the story is, there does appear to be love there. But how mm. would you describe that relationship based upon what you know of the character and what your research is? Because it's incredibly complex. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's a little twofold in that 
One, it's true to the history, as Osage were telling us, particularly Margie Burkhart, Molly's granddaughter, who I got to meet, and I could just see that's where Gran probably drew a lot of inspiration in how he etched Molly out in the book. But Margie, Marty had gone to a meeting with 250 Osage members present there from Gray Horse District, where Molly was from, and Margie got up and said, you have to remember these two were in love. Um, Ernest insisted until the day he died that he loved that woman, that she was a good one, as he would say. Um, there, was a, there was a legacy in the kids. People remember their kids as being very fun-loving and being close to each other. And even after Ernest had gotten out of prison, his son, Cowboy, would go pick him up and drive around with him, gave him the nickname Old Dynamite, but still had a relationship with his father. Old Dynamite because he used dynamite because to blow the, up the yeah. houses of the people who were standing yep, up to because the... Of, because of his guilt and complicity with blowing up his aunt's house, Rita's house. So it's, it's, it doesn't make sense, yet it is. You know, there was real love in this family. These kids had what we can assume was a happy home life because they grew into very fun-loving people who loved each other a lot. Um, so there was that element. And then in our first meeting, the first time that I Zoomed with Leo and Marty talking about some of these script changes, it very much occurred to me that this love story can serve as a greater analogy for the bigger betrayal here of colonization of indigenous people, of the amount of trust that, you know, on tribal parts in these trust relationships and these treaty relationships we've entered into that haven't been honored, that have been like systemically over time just betrayed, our, our, our own sovereignty being eroded. And I could see that like, oh, this love story serves as a nice little microcosm for that larger conversation. And Marty completely agreed. I compared it to um, The Quiet American, that, uh, you know, the novel and the film adaptation, that love triangle being kind of an analogy for what was going on in Southeast Asia with Vietnam and imperialism on American and British sides. But, yeah, um, we knew that it was going to be really impossible. It was hard for us as actors to really know how we were going to do it. It was a leap of faith. And then when I saw the film, the first person I texted was Leo. Just, oh, my God, we did it. Like, how did we do that? And he had the same, he had the same sentiment. Um, is it true, and if true, I love this, that during the, you know, the COVID lockdowns of 2020, you applied for a job at the Department of Agriculture? I was in the process of um, registering for a data analytics course so I could get paid for it. Could have volunteered for uh, citizen science, of course, but I, I was staying in a county south of where uh, the giant Asian hornet, where the murder hornets had settled in. And they have like a protective, almost maternal love of bees, particularly bumblebees. So it just felt like kind of a purpose, a calling maybe, to... Um, here is, this is you yeah. with, your, with your beloved bees right there. <laughs> and those are honeybees. That's in Osage those, County. Okay. What do you love about bees? Oh, so much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I put honey in everything. Uh, it's my it's my go-to for every little like rash or cut. It's just honey. Um, there's a it kind of traces back to 2018. It was settling into winter. It was right before I shot first Cal with Kelly Riker. It was in another sort of like pause in my career and looking for purpose and. I was bringing my dog back from a walk, and she just fixated on this little buzz and, like, the succulents in front of our house. And it was a bee. She tends to eat bees, so I just scooped it up so she wouldn't get stung. And it was a little little chunky bu- bumblebee, a tri- tri-belted, um, tri-colored tri-belted bumblebee, which is an indigenous species. 
And I moved him to the back porch, and two days later, he was still there, like, looking inside like he was wanting to come in. I think maybe he'd found a heat vent, but he was just sitting there, just looking inside. So I brought him in. I made a little mixture of honey and water and just kept him going for another few weeks and learned about his species. They're, they're, they've got an incredible genome. They die you off every a, you year. You had a pet bee? I had a pet bee. <laughs> Beelzebub. You live a rich and interesting life. Well, Lily, thank you so much for being here. It was lovely thank to meet you. you. Killers of the Flower Moon is now streaming globally on Apple TV+. Thank you for listening to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to The Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, early and ad-free on Wondery Plus, starting May 1st. Hey everyone, it's David Duchovny. Do you ever feel like a failure? Trust me, I get it. Hell, I've spent my whole life, almost, feeling like a failure. It's appropriate, though, because on Fail Better, my new podcast with Lemonada Media, exploring the world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives, is the whole point. Each week, I'll chat with artists, athletes, actors, and experts about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, I hope we can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out on May 7th, wherever you get your podcasts.